Welcome to Our Jewish Roots with insightful Bible teaching by Dr. Jeffrey Seif. Today we look toward the ultimate son of David on Warrior King. We're so glad you've joined us today. I'm David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. And I am Jeffrey Seif. And we are going on a journey into the Older Testament. I remember years ago, someone opened up uh, the Hebrew Bible and I saw Jesus in it. And uh, it was a fascinating moment. We want to give you some of that moment today, yes? Right, that King David was a prototype of Messiah. It's interesting to connect the dots from King David all the way down to Messiah. Yes, and uh, in fact, a good part of the Newer Testament just goes back and takes the Older Testament texts and brings them forward. And we see that at play. Certainly David is a figure in the Older Testament, but he emerges in the New. The first breath of the New Testament in the Matean Gospel, Jesus is referenced as Ben David, Ben Avraham, uh, the son of David, the son of Abraham, connects him right off the bat. Look at that. He was Jewish. Who yeah. knew? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Many people don't know. People I forget. Know. People forget, the, they don't look at the good news through the eyes of the Jews. Well, we're going to get some people with Jewish eyes. We're going to look at some of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Fascinating stuff. And I think you can even go to a museum today and see those scrolls. Correct? Yes, and the big Isaiah scroll is there as the centerpiece. Fascinating. We go now to our dramatic reenactment filmed in Israel, followed by teaching from Dr. Seif. Let's go there now. It was the 8th century BC. The prophet Isaiah was troubled because the kingdom had become defiled by godless rulers. Surrounded by the ruthless and the wicked, he has a vision of a better day. He writes of a coming David-like king. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. You are looking at one of the most fantastic finds in biblical archaeology. In the 40s, a Bedouin discovered scrolls that hit the world by storm. And you're looking at a facsimile here. Actually, I am in the shrine of the book. And here we're looking at an ancient book, the book of Isaiah, copied by the sectaries at Qumran many years ago. 
Isaiah was a fascinating personality and he's worth uh, considering when we consider David Melech Yisrael, David the King of Israel. Though Isaiah himself wasn't part of David's administration, actually he wished he was and the reason why is because Isaiah made his entrance onto the stage of the human drama during the administration of Uzziah, a king who started off good enough, but a king who went bad, he went south. Isaiah saw his demise, and it's recorded in the book of Kings and the book of Chronicles. Not only is it recorded, but it's said as much that Isaiah was the historian that talked about the demise of Judah under Uzziah's ministration, and it's perhaps for that reason when Isaiah began his prophetic administration, he spoke to the pathetic first. You can't read the first five chapters of Isaiah without your toes curling in your shoes when you hear his harsh invective, his diatribe, how that prophet gave voice to a world gone bad priests, the religious, the secular, everyone who was anyone was on the take. And against the backdrop of that draconian introduction, the 11th chapter, however, as we see here, Isaiah spoke of a coming king, a David-like king. We're told in chapter 11, there'll come forth a rod from the stump of Jesse, and a branch will grow from his roots remember that Jesse was David's father. And the Davidic house, in effect, was cut down, but they will thump, emerge from it, a righteous branch, a righteous one, a Mashiach, a messianic character. We're told here, the Ruach Adonai, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. Uh, the fear of the Lord doesn't speak of trepidation and panic as much as it does of respect. And because he respects the Lord, he respects others. Isaiah was chagrined, and why is that? Because the kingdom was vitiated, it was defiled beneath the hands of godless rulers. He says in 10.2, they rob the needy of justice. They take what is right from the poor of my people, the widows are their prey. He goes on in the 10th chapter, verse 2 and 12, he says that people are robbed of their treasuries, again, like our world, where the, wick, where the wicked take advantage of the weaker. Isaiah sees a Davidic-like leader who reemerges even centuries after David, and this is this messianic personality. We're told here that his delight will be in the fear of the Lord, and he will rule with justice and equity and fairness and goodness. Now listen to me, we need that kind of godly leadership in our godless world, and I am concerned personally. I don't know what you look for in leadership, be it civil or religious, but personally, individuals that resonate with Judeo-Christian ethics really matter to me, and when I don't see that, I am gravely concerned. Isaiah pointed to the day when someone would emerge likened unto David, and this reflects the fact that, among other things, that the memory of David is alive, and may the memory be alive in our day. 
as we're with some measured anxiety looking into the future, may it be your prayer with mine that godly people um, uh, wield influence in our culture to the end that we may be better by virtue of their so doing. And the Lord said, Woe to the shepherd who destroys and scatters the sheep of my pasture. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherd who feeds my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. Behind me is a, uh, a scaled uh, version of the city of David in Yerushalayim in Jerusalem. Actually, here in modern Israel, folks spent a small fortune to reconstruct that. And it's beautiful. Uh, I'm told by a friend, uh, Elias Sides, that this site is, uh, along with Masada, one of the most frequented sites that pilgrims uh, want to check into when they visit Israel. And they're excited to see it. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, however, looked at this portion of the city and he was not a happy camper. And why is that? Well, he says in, in the uh, 23rd chapter of his own book, Jeremiah, Jeremiah is on record saying, Woe is the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep. Jeremiah, Jeremiah saw destruction coming upon the city of David. Jerusalem was going to take a hit uh, by the uh, Babylonians. And why is that? Because uh, Jeremiah says the priests were vitiated, defiled. Uh, the secular rulers were defiled as well. In so many ways, it was a world like our own. That is to say, there's the pretense of religion and virtue, but the world had long since abandoned biblical ethics. And so it is that uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah went on record saying that the sheep are going to be scattered, and so they were. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news, however, is that Jeremiah envisioned a good world to come. And I'm glad he did, by the way. He didn't just leave his constituents despairing, as we're going to see for, in a moment when we look in the Bible. Though he himself despaired, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. He's so very effusive, emotive. He's weeping. Why? Because he sees this beauty falling apart. He's called the lonely prophet as well, because this priestly prophet was told never to marry and bear children because the children were just destined for the slave market, if not death outright, when the Babylonians were going to come and rape and pillage and plunder, and come they did. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, as I'd said, saw a bad moon rising over this world that sadly is so much like our own. But not only that, happily, however, he, 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 he telescopes to the future and he sees a bright spot beginning to emerge over the horizon like the sun rising from the east and displacing the prevailing darkness. He says in verse 5 in his own words, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up to David a branch of righteousness. We heard in the Isianic passage earlier about the netzer, the branch that will spring forth. And by the way, that's why in the New Testament, Jesus is associated with a city called Nazareth, Nazareth. It's named after the same. That connection wouldn't have been lost to Jewish people in the first century of this, the common era. In any case, Jeremiah uh, uh, telescopes into the future and he sees this Davidic person coming. 
David's been dead for years by the time he speaks, and David's been dead by, for millennia. But even in the Jewish world today, we sing David, Melech, Yisrael, Chai Vizchayon, David the King of Israel lives because the memory lives. And why is that? Because the prophets kept his memory alive. And why is that? Because against the backdrop of a decaying world, they saw there would be an emergent Davidic-like leader. We're told in verse 6, in his days, Judah will be saved. And he says, under his administration, Israel will dwell securely. And then he goes on to speak of this leader and says, and this is the name by which he shall be called, Adonai Tzidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. I don't know how you feel, but in many ways I'm discouraged when I look out, I'm not the wisest owl in the forest, but when I look out over my perch, I'm not a happy camper. When I look at our own culture, I see an abandonment of Judeo-Christian ethics. I see a pretense of religion, but people deny the power of it. I find people talking the talk, but I find rot and decay. And frankly, I find it in high places. Like Jeremiah and like you perhaps, I, we, he look forward to the day when we'll see this emergent leadership. This series is called The Warrior King, and we're looking for David-like leadership in Goliath-like times. May it be that more and more women and men stand up for biblical virtue in a world where that virtue is in very high demand and very short supply. Our resources this week, two books by Christian historian David Barton. First, America's Godly Heritage. This book details what the Founding Fathers intended for America and what can be done to return to its original guiding philosophy. Or the bulletproof George Washington. In this riveting account of God's providence and protection of the young soldier who later became our first president. Contact us for more information. If you only watch us on television, you're missing additional content available only on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can always visit our website, which is home base for all of our ministry activities and information. There you can sign up for our free monthly newsletter, watch the TV program, or visit the online store. Join us as we tour Israel and Petra. Please contact us for more information. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for sending us to the Israeli Museum. There, we're afforded the opportunity to point our cameras at the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's all very fascinating. One of the things that troubles me, I should say, is many look at the Bible as the Dead Sea Scrolls. That is to say, it's dead in that it's a story about yesterday. These are not scrolls that speak to today. I don't believe that personally. And I believe that we, in this program, we not only tell the story, but we help bring it alive where people can see it, specifically to see the good news through the eyes of the Jews, through Bible teachings, through creative reenactments, all done in Israel, just like this series on Warrior King, 
We're deep in the series right now. I want to ask you if you find value in what we do to bring this story to life. I want to encourage you to sow seeds in it, please, and help us to continue to live and breathe and bring this story afresh. We're trying to lead people to the Lord like a good shepherd. Speaking of which, we're going to go to a dramatic reenactment now and take a look at David, the shepherd king. Thus saith the Lord God unto them, Therefore will I save my flock, and they shall no more be prey. I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. Even my servant David, he shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it. I'm coming to you from the Kidron Valley. To my left, you can't see it. Uh, the ancient temple once stood, and now there's Turkish walls round about it. To my right, the Mount of Olives. And here in a valley where shepherds used to frequent verdant lands, but that was yesteryear. Behind me is a monument to a name that's not often repeated here in Israel. It's a monument to Absalom and why he would be remembered in a place like this as anybody's guest. Because truth be known, he himself is persona non grata. And why is that? Because Absalom was David's son who sought to kill him. He drove David out of his own palace, made the king run for his life in the later years of his life as Absalom, the name uh, Avi means my father and Shalom is peace. He has a name connected to peace, my father is peace. But he gave his father Tsuris, truth be known. Tsuris, he gave him aggravations as he sought to undermine him. David lived in a precarious world. This Absalom scattered the sheep, drove David away, caused angst in the culture. And you know what? When there's bad leadership that comes to power, it does much the same. David must have been spellbound with grief when he considered what had happened, not only his own uh, political dislocation, but the fact that his own son, his wicked son, who killed his brother previously, by the way, that he has come to power and David was not a happy camper. Well, Ezekiel remembers this story uh, years later, that is to say, the David story. And why is that? Because Ezekiel inhabited a world much like David did in the sense that bad people had come to power. In fact, the wound in Judah was irreparable. It was not to be fixed. Judgment was meted out. And why is that? Because wickedness reigned from the palace, wickedness reigned from the pulpit, and wickedness was ubiquitous in the pew everywhere. And it was not to be fixed. So much for the bad news. 
difficulties notwithstanding, in a world where the righteous were disconcerted and scattered, Ezekiel telegraphed out into the future and he envisioned that a good shepherd will emerge. He says uh, he lambasts in the 34th chapter these bad shepherds that are heaving discontent in the culture. But then he goes on to say, difficulties notwithstanding in verse 23, and I quote, he says, I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them my servant David. David was long since dead as of Ezekiel's writing, but the memory of this imperfect yet righteous sort, he knew what it was to repent, he found forgiveness, he was a man after God's own heart. Ezekiel says, we need some of that ruling again. Now arguably, Ezekiel's looking forward, uh, his forward thrust to this coming Davidic shepherd harks to the Messianic era. We know that, by the way, because when we look in the New Testament, in the Matean Gospel, the Matthew text, which was written in a Semitic language, originally it opens up, say, Fair Hayuchasin, Shall Yeshua Hamashiach Ben David Ben Avraham. He's introduced Ben David Ben Avraham, the son of David. And we know in the New Testament as Yeshua went about, son of David, son of David. Well, here Ezekiel envisions that a Davidic son will emerge and we're told he will be their shepherd. And then in verse 24, And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I look forward to the day when Sar Shalom comes, when the Prince of Peace comes. But until such time as he arrives, I want David-like leadership in Goliath-like times ruling in our land. I want that, 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 that man after God's own heart. I believe politicians, frankly, can be very well intended, but I believe as well that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I want praying people ruling, and you and I need to pray for our country, for our culture, because we want godly leadership, and we need it, because we need David-like leadership in these Goliath-like times. In today's program, Jeff has been talking about King David as a prototype for Messiah. And Jesus, we saw at the tender heart, but we didn't really see on earth Jesus as a warrior king, like slaying the tens of thousands. That wasn't his, his heart at that time. Well, his mission wasn't to carve out territory with boundaries and land. When you do that, you're going to have to have an army. That's just the realities of the world that we live in. You know, in America, we have an army, and God bless our soldiers. Israel has an army, God bless our soldiers, and God bless the leaders that inspire them. But Jesus gave voice to the fact that his kingdom was not of this world. He came at a time to bring about something different, to help people get to the world to come. Now, he's going to return to this world and then, and then take care of business in that way, but that wasn't the task at hand in his coming. When we're on our tour bus, every time I look out the window in certain places and we're in a mountain and we see rocks, I think of Yeshua having to climb those mountains and rocks and he wasn't a wimp. Right. No, right. you he would have strong. had to be a rugged outdoors yes. person to be sure. Mm -hmm. Maybe not a warrior per se, but strong. Well, certainly the greatest battle he had to fight was his own inclinations and not sin. You know, he's on the cross, and the word excruciating, 
uh, comes from the Latin excrucis, which means from the cross. And, and that's when they put the sign on him, King of the Jews. Mm -hmm. so, so there's the warrior king. Uh, and it looked like a loss, but the cross with a victory. The next time he comes back, it won't look like a loss. Right. Everyone will be bowing down to him. Everyone, the whole world will understand his strength and his power. And that kingdom will come at that time. Yes. The strength. So kingdom. it is. And uh, uh, people lose sight of that, quite frankly. Uh, and uh, they lose sight of of the militancy that's involved, and but it's there. I mean, we need to look at the book from, uh, as my wife says, from Genesis to maps, <laughs> you know, from one <laughs> end good. to the other. Uh -huh. And it does get tumultuous at the ragged end of time, and there is war, and Jesus does come and participates in bringing an end to it. Well, we've appreciated your insight, your wisdom, your knowledge that you brought this week and every week. We have more to come, stay with us. Our Jewish Roots is more than just a television program. See what you are missing on our social media outlets. On Facebook and Twitter, you'll find our daily Name of God devotional, current news articles, the Bearded Bible Brothers, and more. On our YouTube channel, you'll find faith foundations, music, interviews, the Bearded Bible Brothers, and more. Or find everything on our website, levitt.com. We invite you to keep in touch and join us on social media. Some people are what they call tech savvy and some aren't. Mom, if you're watching this right now, I know you don't know how to get the computer on and that's okay because dad does. Some of you are watching our online presence. We are on social media. There's all kinds of extra programming articles all about Israel. There's actual programs that we make for social media. So maybe put your little tech savvy hat on and find us. We're easy to find. We'll see you online. And one of the places we take you on our Israel tour, Chaim Mailspin is there right now. Let's take you there. What is a scale model of Jerusalem? You can come closer. And this is the temple, how it used to look. Do you think the temple will be rebuilt, the third temple? We know Prophet Ezekiel talks about a temple that is built, which is bigger in dimensions than any temple we've ever seen yet. We also know there will be a temple not made by hands, which will come from heaven, and it will be the new Jerusalem. But I'm excited to say, Look at the glory that was here for years and years until, as Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai says, after Yeshua died, no more was there the glory in the temple. The doors would open automatically. You know what else? The red cord they would tie on those temple doors, right there, would stay red. It would never turn white ever again. The stone they would find in the bag, they would pull out a stone that's either a white one or a black stone. They would never pull out the white stone ever again because there was the atonement had already been brought by Yeshua.
Jesus died for our sins and he's coming again. He's coming back. We're about out of time, but we're coming back too, aren't we? We are, and I just have to say, I'm sitting here at the de this desk and all I think is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah, of course, he is coming back in all of his glory very yes, soon. Indeed, and it's, we, we're just so thrilled to tell the story. Thank you for your teaching today. It's time to end. We always end with this. Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem.